Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, how, how are we doing? How's, how's everyone's week been? It's a good place to start. Busy. Yeah. I had a busy week. And so this weekend was much needed. Very good. Hot. Also, I got a new puppy. Oh, oh yes! yes. <laughs> tell tell the folks at home about Blue. His name is Blue. He's precious. He's we're confused as to what he's mixed with. He's clearly a blend of different doggies. Um, but I'm thinking a pit mix. He does look like a pit. He does look like a pit mix, but he's adorable and I love him. He is. I cannot wait to meet him in yeah. person. Yeah. He looks super cute. Do you have any idea how big he's gonna get? Medium-sized dog. Okay. I imagine whatever he's mixed with is gonna keep him fairly low to the ground. Mm. But we'll see what happens. Low center of gravity. I mean, that's a, <laughs> it's a good survival, good survival shape. <laughs> so let's transition from that into our questions of the week. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during our question of the week segment, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three, guys at the well, all one word in lowercase, at gmail.com. This week's question, gentlemen, is it's a bit... It's a bit negative, but I think it's more honest than it is negative. Um, what is a group activity, like a recreational activity, that you just do not like? That when people recommend it, like, oh, you guys are free Friday night, we can go do this. You're like, ooh, I'd rather not. Like, what what is that for you guys? I know immediately. And oh, wow. We're gonna, uh, maybe there will be some issues. Basketball. Oh. I am not good enough at basketball. It's not because I don't enjoy watching it. It's not because I don't enjoy seeing other people who are good at it. But it's just never liking it as a child, never getting into it, and then, uh, just no. <laughs> no. So that per, that sport particularly. Yeah, because I, ju- I think it all relates back to the fact that as a child, I went the wrong way in a basketball camp, scored on my own team, uh, and was brutally... Now we get, to, we, yeah. we get to the fundamental <laughs> so problem. So it's your own don't... failings that are important. <laughs> it just makes me feel like that. Every single time I go to a basketball court, I'm just like, I feel I shrink back to seven-year-old <laughs> So no basketball. Wow, you've <laughs> offended two thirds of the room. Uh, <laughs> we played basketball once, and you were you and were okay. Yeah, I hit it. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm an adult now. I have to hide it. But when you mention it, I'm like, nope. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, next one. <laughs> wow, bougie Eli strikes again. <laughs> oh, it's your playground sports. Yeah, I swam. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a pool. <laughs> a public pool. Peasants. <laughs> oh no. That's that's the, the grind of this podcast. Like leveling up to Eli. Uh, we'll 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 play some basketball and hopefully redeem it for you at some yeah, point. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, and I don't know how either of you feel about this, it is another sport, I guess. I don't think it's a sport. Bowling. Don't like bowling. <laughs> oh now you've now you've offended me. <laughs> I like bowling though. I like that more than basketball. Oh, wow. You're just wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I don't. So part of it, similar to you, part of it is that, like, I, I can't bowl properly. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why I can't do, like, an underhanded throw. I have to, like, grip the ball mm-hmm. and just kind of fling it down the lanes. <laughs> like, I'm just, like, dismissing it from my presence. Like, take the, take it away, jeez. Oh, the wrist. You need the wrist strength. Yeah, and so that's the thing. I've never been able to do it. And when I was a kid, I actually really enjoyed it. Like, we would go on field trips, and it was just like, oh, that's a fun thing to do for, like, an after-school thing or a camp. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's fun. But then I played, I went bowling twice. 
as an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like two separate groups of friends. And I had this realization in the midst of one of them. I was like, I had knocked on a single pin in six frames. <laughs> and I was sitting there, and not just because I was losing, because I didn't really care. But I was like, oh, I don't like this. Like, this is not fun. Like, I, it's a lot of sitting around. And it is more of a social game. But right, I look right. forward to the socializing. The bowling itself, no. It's I'll just... teach you. <laughs> it's it's so fun. Is it? It's so it fun. is so fun. It's great because you get the social aspect and the game aspect, and it's not fun if you don't if no if like if people aren't into it if they're not right. into the two things, right? Because right? some people are like social, but they're like I'm just here to you know I'm just throw this <laughs> this heavy thing down this wooden lane that may have oil <laughs> on it, I, you know. Right. But if you're like they're trying or at least having fun. Yeah, we'll go. Yeah. We'll do an At The Well bowling podcast Ooh, episode. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Already he's like, nope. Not, that was a the question. <laughs> not about it. I just, I just can't, I can't get with bowling. But Charles, now that Eli and I have both offended you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I'll offend you with my answer. I don't know. So I, 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 I can't really think of something that uh, socially uh, people would do or that I've done in the past I'm like I don't want it I don't want to touch that like well, if we're doing something together people I'm I'm about it I'll, I'll enjoy myself but so let's take a little little different angle from it oh boy one of the things that I hate which is a little ironic since I am um, a team leader and so I lead teams of various things is I hate team building exercises like you Ooh. go to a camp <laughs> or you go to a like a your staff retreat or you know your staff training and they're like are right, we gonna do some some team building exercises run by you know someone in the organization or at this camp with way like, too much oh, energy oh my gosh <laughs> lift up your colleague and weave them through this rope spider web five feet off the ground now what did that teach you about teamwork collaboration and communication we could have done this not. <laughs> by this activity it's uh, it's it uh, oftentimes i'm like they're either superficial yeah. and yeah. they really don't accomplish anything or they're just like i'd rather just have free time <laughs> yeah, it is funny because like you do like lead a lot of people i'm picturing charles at like some campgrounds <laughs> everyone else is just like want to want to bear each other's burdens you're going to carry your person and charles is just like with, like one hand on them <laughs> It's, it's super ironic because just the other day I was thinking about different team building activities and things that we could do for this coming fall from a team that I'm leading. So oh, I was man. I was like, oh, we could go to this camp and do their team building exercises. Or <laughs> Charles leads them and it's just like, yeah, j- just read your emails. Uh, communicate openly and that'll be good. Good? Team now? We're all right? All right, let's get, let's get into it. It is fun to watch those when like, kids do them <laughs> because it's like they inevitably do something like terribly wrong and then you have to debrief and it's like all right you tried to carry little jimmy through the maze but then chandra stopped paying attention and little jimmy fell and got a concussion what did we learn from this about teamwork <laughs> and with adults it's like you just learn what you already know like you yeah. start it and you're like oh that person is is clearly has managerial or supervisor role in the organization because they automatically Took to charge like yeah. we're going to we're going to find out what we already know yeah yeah, yeah. who's a leader and who's a follower <laughs> and we already know that right. so right. we're adults now let's just say what our roles are <laughs> and move forward 
Um, and that's funny. If you uh, enjoyed any of these things that we just uh, bashed, it's it's nothing personal. No, not at all. No. I'm sure under the right circumstances, we would all enjoy all of these things. That camp not happened. <laughs> <laughs> I would be fine with basketball. We'll get you there. You're going to be dunking in no time. I appreciate that. All right, so we're going <coughs> to move into this week's passage, which is from John 8, chap- verses, John chapter 8, ugh, verses 2 through 11. If you have your Bible and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. They dragged her behind them, kicking and screaming. Wounded from an encounter with Jesus the night before, the scribes and Pharisees of Galilee thought they finally had an ace in the hole. This woman, after all, had been caught in the act. She was undeniably guilty and deserving of grave punishment. Surely, this so-called prophet would have no way of squirming out of this one without contradicting Jewish law and undermining the growing whispers that he could be the Christ. Certainly, this would silence any such claim. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman was standing in his midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What springs to mind in our passage for the week, guys? So, as you mentioned, as you were reading and going through the, setting the scene and going through the verse, um, you mentioned that like the law of Moses instructed Jews to do this particular thing, and it's in uh, Leviticus 20.10 that we actually get this law spelled out for us. And, and so they caught the adulteress, right? Yeah. But they neglected to apprehend the adulterer. I was going to... Th- I'm so glad you said that. That was the first thing I it's noticed. Like, uh, so clearly there's this... Already there's this heart issue of we're not actually about the law. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's a good we're, point. We're about putting... We're about trying to put this man who we don't believe uh, is from God to shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's, it's, it's this unnamed woman who has a husband who she cheated on or it's... The man who she slept with who has a wife that he cheated on, or maybe they're both married, whatever the combination, right? Um, sin, first and foremost, is committed against God. Um, and he finds all sin abhorrent and offensive. Even when we receive forgiveness from the person or the people we've wronged in life, you're, you can still be at odds with God. Um, if you haven't been reconciled with him, then you're still exposed to God's judgment. 
um, when we haven't been freed from the weight of our sin if we're not right with God, right? And that's the reason I think Jesus didn't include anybody else in bringing this woman to reconciliation with him. Mm. Jesus didn't say, go get the man that you slept with so, I can, so we can fix this together. He said, neither do I condemn you. And then he commanded her, go and sin no more. So Jesus invited this woman to be right with him and change the way that she lived out her life. And that's ultimately what God, through his son, who is Jesus Christ, offers all of us. Hmm. That's a really good point. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think, I mean, this is a, a bit of a different point altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was always struck by Jesus riding on the ground. And I don't know if there's ever going, you know, no one yeah. actually really knows, but there was a commentary um, that I read uh, that had said that it's an example to us um, to bend in humility, uh, to examine ourselves before pointing, uh, pointing fingers at the sins of our neighbor, at the sins of mm-hmm. others. Uh, and so I wrote down, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Mm, well, um, well. This, you know, this like judgment, this judgmental, well, her sin, his sin is mm. b- more than bigger than my sin. They yeah. sin more frequently. Remove like, the plank from your... Yeah, remove yeah. the plank from your, from your own eye before you, uh, you help the others. It's like, actually, we're all sinners before the Lord. Yeah. Um, and we need to have humility. And, you know, Eli, to your point, I really like it, like... They weren't concerned with the law, whether it's the the letter of the law or the heart of the law. They weren't concerned with any of that. They were concerned with putting Jesus in a trap. And and this example, or at least this commentary, this idea of humbling ourselves, and it's like it's not about pointing fingers about the wrongful, wrongfulness <laughs> of, of someone else. It's like, please check yourself. Like we all are sinners, we all need the mercy of God. Um, and I kind of like how you point out, Eli, that it's that Christ didn't um, kind of uh, resolve the situation with others around. He did it with her um, because he, they were not of the right heart or mind. Um, but but he wanted to touch her with mercy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think to both your points about the humility here and just the hypocrisy of, yeah, in Leviticus 20, it's like the adulterer and the adulteress must surely be put to death they just brought her which speaks to other inequalities at the time as well yeah um but yeah i was really really struck with that because it does it does i think put before us how is it that we handle and like consider someone else's sin and like mm-hmm. and you got you said like the humility of calling it out but i think it's also just like the intents behind whatever it is that we're doing. Like the implications of this entire thing really jumped out at me as like, that's just really wrong. Like, so not just that they only brought the woman before Jesus to trap him, not just that their hearts were in the wrong place altogether, but it's like, they made a point to be like, we caught her in the acts to kind of like make their point even more firmly of like, there, there's no denying this. And it's like, well, what, what were you doing that like put you in that position? Like, that implies like either knowing someone who's struggling with sin in this area and choosing to exploit it or like camping out in a way that would like put you in a place like catch someone in the act so that you can then point your finger at them and both of those go to a desire to punish and judge more than what i think in any case in in the christian faith when we're convicted of sin it's really to ever describes like holding up a mirror to like who we are and who we're trying to be. 
And as we talked about with uh, Zacchaeus uh, last week, there's this recognition of when we come to repentance that, oh, this is wrong. Like to Eli, your point, I've grieved the heart of God. I've sinned against him first and foremost. Like David says that in the Psalms, uh, in Psalm 51, he says like, against you, I think that's Psalm 51. It's like you and you alone have I sinned against. Um, and so there's a godly conviction and there's a godly response to conviction. And there's also a godly way to convict someone. And it does require seeing that person as a person, seeing that person as someone who Jesus loves and not just fishing around for faults to like throw into their face. And this kind of speaks to that kind of pious nature that I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have experienced at times in the church, which says, oh, you do this? Well, let me tell you all the reasons why that's wrong. Oh, you think this way or you fell this way? Well, let me tell you why that's terrible. And kind of ranking sin as a way to oppress as opposed to calling it out in love in order to liberate. Mm. And yeah, now that you're talking about, now that we're talking about like sinfulness and how people perceive it, um, I brought, as I was, as we were, as I was preparing for this particular episode, I brought this to prayer because I was like, Lord, what, what else is there? You know, what else, what, I'm, I'm blanking, so what else is there? What do you have for me? And the phrase, go and sin no more, go and sin no more, go and sin no more, kept, it just, it just stayed and weighed heavy on my mind. And I think that's just important, just as important, that phrase is just as important as the neither do I condemn you portion of mm-hmm. uh, the comment that Jesus made. The yeah. forgiveness we've been offered, the, 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 the faith we've been given, the freedom we've been given to nurture those things also requires some effort on our part, right? right. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 encourages us saying, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And so going off and not sinning anymore is difficult because sin easily entangles us, right? It's enjoyable and that's why it's tempting. Most, if not all sinners, aren't adding new sins to their roster of spiritual baggage every day. Sinners are repeat offenders. Mm. And the sins that sinners repeat are the ones they enjoy. Look, without putting too much guesswork into the passage, I imagine that this Jewish woman thought her infidelity was going to be enjoyable. Mm. And that it was going to be worth it, right? In some way, we're always like, this will be worth it. Right, right, right. right. So, something will come from this. And so how do we begin to get out of this twisted cycle of being tempted by something evil that we've been tricked into thinking is worthwhile? Well, from what I've read in Scripture and witnessed and been taught by friends like both of you, quite honestly, and mentors that I've had in my life, it is crucial to know and daily be reminded that uh, the enjoyment of sitting today is not worth what it will cost us in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's lying or gossiping or cussing somebody out or hating somebody, lusting after somebody, cheating on your spouse like this woman did, or abusing or murdering somebody, the relief, the enjoyment that you may get from that is not worth jeopardizing your relationship with God while you're on earth, and it's not worth jeopardizing being welcomed into heaven, into heaven after you die. If you're listening today, um, anyone, if you're struggling with the call to go and sin no more, please don't let yourself be tricked into thinking that the sin you're struggling with 
is worth it. Instead, fix, and this is what I got from my prayer time, instead fix your eyes on Jesus and the future joy of seeing him face to face. That's really good. Very I was well actually said. really struck by that phrase as well. And I think kind of like an addendum to that point, which could stand on its own, just what you said, is uh, he says, go and sin no more, which means that, you know, he, he says, I, uh, I don't condemn you. I, I forgive you. I've forgiven you. I've given you um, for mercy. Mm-hmm. Go on your way and, and do not sin again. Well, it's actually, that's not the end of it. It's not just words, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about candid conversations and encounter with Christ. And one of the things that we've talked about in past weeks is that when you encounter Christ, you are changed. Mm-hmm. And there's a truth here that it's not just words on a paper or words that Christ speaks. It's actually, he then gives us power to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. And we, as, uh, um, as Christians who are living in uh, a time of after the crucifixion and after Pentecost, where we have the power of the Holy Spirit given to us to live out, that is the actionable kind of power that we have, that we can be renewed, um, revived, that we can uh, we have new power to go and sin no more, which doesn't mean that we're going to, I mean, we, we have a tendency towards sin, so it's going to happen, but it's not empty words from Christ. He mm. backs it up with the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit for us to actually Amen. do that, um, which I think yeah. is important. And we don't see... At least I don't think we see the impact that this candid conversation has on this woman. But I think um, just knowing what we do about Christ, we can assume that it wasn't just empty words, that he, that encounter changed her, if only a little bit enough to, to, to do her best to go and sin no more. Absolutely. That's, I appreciate you guys. That's, that's incredibly convicting and like encouraging that when Jesus speaks i think there's a way to interpret this that when jesus says this to both your points like that can come off as very intimidating yeah like to eli to your point it's like yeah so we you don't sin because you don't enjoy it like it's something that's very hard to get rid of because like i this is tempting to parts of me that are um broken and i don't want to give that up um but yeah charles absolutely to your point it's encouraging to know that like jesus doesn't say these as wishful thinking like he doesn't say go and sin no more is like a something we could never as something that's like oh we could just never reach that it's like because of me that this is something reachable doesn't mean that you won't have to be told over and over again go and sin no more but through the blood of jesus christ through his holy spirit it's like this lifelong process is a process that i am alongside you with and this charge i give you is not to remind you how you don't measure up but to remind you how i do and how like through you will bring that to completion (laughs) <laughs> that was fire. I'm, I'm sorry. I also, so with that, I, I was struck by the, there's some symmetry between this account and an account at the end of Jesus's life as he enters into his passion that I thought was very uh, just telling. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's been, So before all of this happened, in the chapter before John 7, Jesus is having a conversation, well, an argument, with the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, and it's in similar fashion, they like bring something to him and he just kind of shuts it down. And so they go away very upset. Yeah. And that's where this came from, like still stewing over what Jesus said to them. They like found this woman and brought him to her, her brought her to him. But at the end of John 7, it said that Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. So after this like beef with the Pharisees, he leaves and goes to the Mount of Olives as Jesus is the one to do to retreat and pray. 
and then he comes down to the temple and then we get the scene that was laid out today. So the Mount Olives, Mount of Olives is something that I like, as I was looking into this, it's referred to a lot in scripture. Mm. Um, it's where, it's from where Jesus entered Jerusalem at the beginning of like last week of his life as he went to his passage, um, his passion. Um, it's where he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem and particularly it's where, it's where the Garden of Gethsemane is. So it's where Jesus prays the night, like, as he's about to be betrayed uh, by Judas. And so those two scenes, Jesus walking into his passion and Jesus going to the temple uh, and encountering this woman, to me has such rich like symmetry in that with this woman, he goes from the Mount, Mount of Olives from praying, goes to the temple, is en encounters this woman who is caught in sin, like act, uh, listens to her accusers, acts like he doesn't hear them, and then by his authority, silences all of them and then commends her to live differently. And then when he went into his passion, he came from the Mount of Olives silently, deliberately in chains, suffered and died on a cross to silence the mouth of our accuser and any charge that could be brought against God's elect. Like in Romans 8, uh, Paul goes on this like string of eight verses where he's just basically saying the love of God is it, yeah. guys. And so... And he's just, and it starts off with him saying, who can bring a charge against God's elect? And so in going to the cross, Jesus similarly puts himself in front of us, takes on our sins and says, I don't condemn you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go and sin no more and silences our accusers. Doesn't free us from consequences of sin. Um, but to a point that was made in a previous episode, silences and removes the ultimate condemnation from that. And so it's kind of a foreshadowing and a foretelling and a very specific way very intimate way what he did with this woman was then what he did um in a very particular way for all of humanity and that kind of symmetry just really jumped out at me mm, wow that's deep yeah oh my goodness but i love being able to like connect no yeah. so i don't think it's it's an accident that some stuff right. like that like exists like nothing nothing in the bible is 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 just like oh it just happened like there's so, there's so much intention and like we like we talked at the at the end of the last podcast talking about movies and how we see Jesus in movies and generally speaking it's popular movies for there to be little like Easter eggs and hints to like the overarching narrative and like clues and foreshadowing throughout and like I feel like that's how that's how I try to read the Bible because God is so intentional and it's like well why why did he mention this place like what is the significance of that and mm. yeah that. I, I really enjoy reading scripture that way, and that one just kind of mm. jumped out at me. Wow, that's beautiful. I appreciate I appreciate you, Dre. Um, yeah, the, as I'm as I'm continuing to listen to both of you speak and and reread this, bringing <clears throat> this into I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm always trying to figure out like how do we bring this into mm. into contemporary times? How do we like Jesus had these kind of conversations? They've been recorded in the Bible as as God's redemptive acts in history. How do we function post ascension, post resurrection, right? And it, it I'm reading from the NIV uh, translation of the Bible, and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Like, it's this notion of parading her as a prop of sin. Yeah. And we do that a lot mm. in our own country of like mm. putting people on blast. For their for their crap that they happen to be caught in, that's that's available in the media or like, like this figurative crucifixion of people 
And how do we resist the urge to jump to jump on the bandwagon of looking at somebody who's quite frankly done something awful and resist the urge to also cast stones, mm. right? Um, because it's so easy to cast stones on social media. It's so easy to cast stones in conversation. It's so easy to it. It's so easy to be um, hostile to other people when there are so many barriers of separation between us and them mm. that allow us to be sour. Anonymity. And yeah, right? Um, and I think this serves as an ancient warning for a contemporary issue of mm. who are you to stand before God because he sees all of us and lob a stone their way mm. when you are also your own issue, right? Like Jesus was about healing this woman and approaching her, but he also was calling the, the, the Pharisees and the Jews who were surrounding her to task, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, how do, how do you all wrestle with like this contemporary issue of casting stones and, and moving forward? I, I think it's, it's a very modern um, idea because, you know, you, you threw out the word anonymity, right? Like, it's so easy to sin in this way, to point to others' sin, um, when in conversation and they're not in the room or through uh, through a computer screen or we see something on the news and point fingers at a TV screen as opposed to the person itself like there's it's so easy our technology our society has made it really easy to do this which makes it very hard to then live out this humility that we're, we're talking about yeah. um, and I think this serves as an example uh, you know oftentimes another way to kind of read scripture is um, who am I in the story yeah. mm -hmm. and put myself in that situation like oh yep I've totally been those people <laughs> look like carrying someone to, to others or to Christ and like, like look at them again? look at the wrongdoing they've done it's like actually it's clear they were in the wrong Jesus points this out uh, and his actions uh, highlight that and so that means that when I do that when I take opportunities to do that it's also wrong, regardless of how easy it is or how veiled I might think my words or actions may be. Mm -hmm. And I think as well, it's it's something that, again, gets to the heart of like, what, why are you doing it? Like where it's coming from? I think it's to, to look at something in the world and say, that's clearly sinful. Like that's one thing. <clears throat> to look at someone who does something in the world and say, that's clearly sinful. That's one thing, and I think it's fine for Christians to recognize this is a way that um, God is grieved in a way that actually goes against yeah. uh, his intention. Yeah. But it's when we, and I've absolutely been guilty of this, it's when we personalize it to an effect where we try to stand in judgment of the person. Right. Instead right. of just saying, like, yeah, uh, adultery is bad. This sort of uh, oppression or cheating or lying or murder is terrible and, like, this is something that we should abhor and like fight to um, like seek justice after like that those things deal with the sin and those things deal with the fallen nature of man I think that just like the Pharisees we can't really put ourselves in a place to be like well they did this and so and so I think it, it's a reminder that like to remember how much we've been forgiven. Yeah, yeah right. Like, like there's a there's a passage in this section that like it's a very small piece, but when Jesus says like you who was out sin cast the first stone, uh, they said they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. Mm -hmm. And so there's something there about 
being an old like being an older person recognizing like over all the life that you've led like yeah. i'm not sinless i'm not faultless yeah. and i think that it says that they were cut to their conscience there's this recognition of okay this is wrong but what i'm doing is not calling attention to the evil of sin it's mm-hmm. trying to berate a person and similar to what we said in our, our more recent episode like jesus loves people like the people who we see as our enemies jesus loves and loves them and came to die for them the people who do commit atrocities that should be like the sin itself condemned by the church and worked to build a restoration there jesus still loves those people and wants them to be in right relationship with him and so our speech and our action should reflect like this is wrong but i'm not going to pretend like I've got it all together. Yeah. Just because right. I think their sin is less bad than all of mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Because it, it the answer you gave helps to remind us to tell that we are like, as Christians, constantly towing the line between recognizing what we've been forgiven from and saved from, the weight of it, um, but also realizing that like we can't be, we're not in a, or like the humility that's brought on by Christ saving us doesn't allow us to put ourselves above people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're called to be humble. We're told we're humbled by God, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also shouldn't be afraid to call people to task about mm-hmm. their actions. It's like, yes, that is sin. Yes, th- there are portions of your life that are not in alignment with what God is, and He calls you to be in alignment with Him, and He does that with love. Mm-hmm. But to do that without being judgmental is is a balancing act that yeah. mm-hmm. the church has to be ready to be trained up in. And like, yeah. me, quite frankly, has, has a history of not necessarily doing that very well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, yep, 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 yeah. yep. And that's why a lot of people aren't in the church today. Because mm-hmm. they've, yeah. they've been paraded around as right. like, and treated as, and this gets into the season we're going to do later, but it treating, treated as if some sins are worse than others. And right. like, this sin is like, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, I found, just to kind of, uh, wrapping up at that point, I think when we, because sometimes like we, like we've said before, like there's a lot of unrest in the world today, and there are a lot of evils that I think the church should speak against, yeah. and it's actually a disservice to the gospel when they don't. Yeah. But I feel like, as a rule of thumb, in like conversations I've had with people, I try to when I talk about why I take issue with something or a person who's perpetrating something when it's more of like a, a national thing. I try to go back to scripture and say, well, this is what the Bible actually says about this. And this is why this act in itself is actually evil or wrong. Not because I personally find it distasteful as Jarrell the person, but like, this is what scripture has to say. And it's kind of a good rule of thumb, like even in my own thinking of like, this bothers me, what is the scriptural basis for this? And like, how, how is it that Jesus and God the Father show that it is not in alignment with him? Um, I think it's a good place to start. And also in being in scripture, I'm reminded like, well, I'm guilty of a lot of this as well. And yeah. Indeed, indeed. Well, that is all we have time for. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can check us out at www.atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you next week here at The Well.